This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Creatively Wired. This broadcast is on Free FM 89.0 and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired. Welcome to another episode of Creatively Wired. I'm Paul, I'm here with again with Jeremy, and today we're super excited to be joined by artist, surfer, family man, uh, Raglan local, all-round interesting dude, Aaron Kiriopa. Uh, welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, um, to get us started, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, as an as an artist, and um, it'd be great to hear uh, how you got to where you are now as a, as an artist. Maybe a few sort of um, key moments in your life. <laughs> where do you start? It's like, <laughs> let, let's start in Huntley. All right, that sounds like a good place. Yeah, uh, commonly known Rahu Pokeka. That's where I was born. Um, then we moved back to Tiako out west on the coast, and then we moved out to uh, family land um, later on in life. Uh, so all these places, you know, dear memories, and they're so clear to me to this day, What all the things that we got up to out on the farm, uh, Huntley, Raglan, so I haven't forgotten my my youth as uh very important to me at this point. And um, I was raised, uh, I went. I got sent away to Wesley College up in Auckland. So, uh, yeah, I mingled with um, uh, every human ethnic group you could think of and, uh, up there. And so, yeah, I, I was yeah, raised around lots of Pacific Island people. and So that had a huge effect on me uh, culturally-wise, um, yeah. Living with Samoans, Tokelauans, Nuans, Tongans, Samo, Maori, awesome. Pakeha, you know, that's awesome. that's, uh, that's juice right there. That uh, yeah, I, I I left school, I left college, and I just became a labourer, mm-hmm. like my like my dad and like my uncles we were laboured, and um, but yeah, within the first year, I knew that. No, I'm not going to be a labourer. I'm not going to do yeah, holes. other callings. Yeah, well, I'm built strong enough to be a labourer, and yeah, I fit the bill, and I was happy to to get that hourly rate. But uh, yeah, my past experience uh, as a youngster, you know, was not being used. It wasn't maximised being labourers. So yeah, I just kind of uh, unconsciously gave in to what I was naturally um, good at and I found it easy to do and 
yeah, the life of a labourer wouldn't allow that to come through. And it, for me, I just yeah, made the decision from day one that, yeah, I was going to do something more than this. Mm-hmm. So how did, you, um, how did you transition from labourer to artist? So um, me and my partner of 20-plus uh, years, we, we, I was getting a, in a bit of spotter trouble in uh, my hometown, so we just boosted it to the Gold Coast. Yeah, but uh, I'd already started um, doing creative like art, I guess. I didn't know it was of any value, but to me it meant a lot. So on the Gold Coast, uh, I, I got a bit homesick within the first year. I wanted to come home and that, but my partner he encouraged us to just to stay on. We were free over there. We we had no. I wasn't bound by any traditions to, or yeah, to live in the you know the cultural uh, scene that I was involved in over here. So yeah, the pressure was off my shoulders. So I started doing art, and um, I had learnt uh, I'd, years ago. I'd watched this guy from Gisborne. His name's Kevin Baker, and he did his. Um, man, I wasn't even doing art, like, and he did his. Um, uh, he was. He wanted to have a voice about no nukes in the Pacific. At the time, Mudurau Atoll was being mm. tested by the French, and later on, the uh, Rainbow Warrior was dropped at uh, Auckland. And um, so, this guy, Kevin Baker, he was doing uh, no nukes in the Pacific uh, on a surfboard in Gisland. <laughs> and I was just like, blown away. He, he was on the dole, uh, yeah, unemployed, and he looked just like me, he sounded just like me. And so, I just said, yeah, I'm going to crack this. I don't know how he did it. But I started with a knife and a spoon, cut, spoon it out, cut, spoon it out, and yeah, it just progressed into sharper tools. But yeah, ten years later, I was over in the Gold Coast with my missus, and um, I just started making my own people, things that made me feel comfortable. Uh, warriors on surfboards. Uh, me and all my friends were over there partying and surfing, and there's just something that. This attachment I have with the ocean, and I'm connected by a surfboard. Mm. And uh, that surfboard, to me, it was a, like a living being, but we snap them, break them, and just trash them. So, yeah, I just started doing people. Tāmoko faces, make me, make him, it's almost like I was making my own little marae in my Gold Coast apartment. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, this Aussie guy come up to me and goes, bro, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that for 50 bucks. And I yeah, very sweet as. He said, oh, would you make another one for a box of beers? And I yeah. And that was my beer money. So, yeah, and that's how it started. It gave, made me think I'm worth a box of beers. I'm worth 50 bucks. So I started sending some back home to Raglan, to my brother. He started selling some for 100 bucks. And so, you know, that, that worthiness started growing. And, um, yeah, just by luck, uh, a guy from uh, my fir- my dealer down in Queenstown, he just picked me up and we babysat each other through the art game. Mm. And that's how that grew. Yeah. 
because what you're doing is is quite different, right? Like, so um, you get a surfboard, usually one that maybe has been trashed. Yep. You cut into it, and you're it's basically carving, but you're carving into this. Um, excuse my my ignorance, but they made a fiberglass. Uh, yeah, we, we, or uh, foam. Yeah, foam. Yeah, so fiberglass coating, foam I, inside. I, so I, I rip the glass off. Yep. To me, it, it's free medium. Mm. It's uh, everyone's throwing it away. So yeah, you're just, saving it from the landfill. Yeah, like ninety percent. I always believe I could have done a hundred percent recyclable, but yeah, it's ninety percent. But that you know, it's better than the whole thing. Eh? Mm. Going to the landfill, and that was my my initial uh, belief that I could help out environmentally mm. there. And um, yeah, just rip, rip the. Um, Hands, knife, uh, and then start freestyling on the board. Mm. Just so you don't you don't have a plan to start with. It's just it is freestyling. It's like we'll just start cutting into it, making marks, see what happens. Or uh, in the early days, it was um, you actually start off with feeling emotional, mm. and then pick the pencil up. What you're thinking? So tamoko, I'm angry. Um, um, I felt like I was, you know, I'm from a pretty staunch um, cultural background. Um, all that sort of pours in to the pencil onto the foam, mm. and out comes these warriors. And then, uh, then I sort of bent off into um, my life in the ocean. None, of, not many people see what we see: dolphins, you know, sharks, bait fish tuna all around us, whales, so I bent back into doing dolphins and marine life on the Gold Coast, yeah, that's how that, then one, one year, uh, about 2000, 2001, I just decided to boost back home, because that's kind of where the juice for me is, is yeah. right here, I just sort of, I don't know where it comes from, I just sort of draw more juice from New Zealand. As opposed to you know thousand kilometres <laughs> in Australia, yeah, yeah. it's just a different feeling. Yeah, yeah it's more built out of uh, the emotion of home. But if I thought if I could tap into that emotion like full time, like here in New Zealand, then uh, yeah, and it's uh, I'm not going to say it was uh, it's a hundred percent proof, but. It's uh, serving me well at the mm. moment. Yeah, mm. I find it so interesting that you're, you know, you're saying you're in Australia, and on one hand, you felt kind of free, like you, you didn't, yeah, and um, get free from the, some of the traditions, free from maybe expectations, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. On the other hand, you're you you were building your morai, so there was there was a need I to know. connect, but also like a, a like you know maybe some at that point, at least, some real cool stuff for you about disconnecting as well. It seems like an interesting combination. Yeah. It's just probably chasing my identity, eh? Mm. That's what I, what I think I was doing. Still doing it to this day. And, um, yeah. <laughs> it's an odd experience, but... Yeah. I guess sometimes you need to step back from things to see what they are, right? So 
if it's, say, reflecting on your identity as someone from Aotearoa, then stepping back from yep. a distance, thinking about what that means, yep. can be easier to see it than if you're right amongst it. Yeah, yeah. You're looking back and you actually see what we have here and it's like pretty big and there is heaps of opportunity here. You know, we all fly to Australia for opportunity, but it's, it, we have opportunity here right under our nose, but for some reason, yeah, like you said, we, I, I found it hard to see that. Yeah. I don't, now I'm oblivious to all those uh, barriers that stop me from seeing the potential that we have here. But, yeah. um, it, you know, is that cliche to say it's like, yeah, in hindsight, you know, it's the hardest or easiest decision to fly back, fly there, and uh, hardest to come back. What, what is that? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I'm like kind of torn between, um, yeah, being free and settling on uh, how, how I wanted to grow as a, you know, human. And, and 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 making positive inroads to growing myself and I don't know inspiring others who have been in the situation that, that I was in mm. or that I am still in. And did you did you bring some of that freedom back with you? Was it different when you came back than when you left? Mm. Um, well, the same you know pressures for uh, of expectation for me to you know be some type of leader that everybody expected to me, me to be. Yeah, that was still here. But um, I think uh, all, the, all the experiences we've had overseas and the, all the beautiful people that we've met uh, in New Zealand as well, just given us extra strength to, you know, put, put my foot down and just be happy to express myself. So... Looking at where your work started in, as a way to find a connection with your marae and to, to find that connection with um, the things that you're missing from being homesick, now that you're back here and based here working, is has the work taken on a different sense of kind of belonging within your identity? Is it still reflecting on some of those elements or is it exploring something new? It's just really a solid feeling knowing that um, I've really eked out my base and my, you know, my background is always there and I've realised that, you know, all my family are always there, um, my culture's always there. It's really solid feeling, but to, and it's always going to be there, but um, it's uh, on this side where it's unexplored, it's almost ta taboo to enter and yeah and that's where I'm starting to like well that's where I am I'm moving off into uncharted waters in, in my mind <laughs> I don't know about my, I'll just let my art go that way as opposed to temp bending back towards what everybody's used to mm -hmm. that sounds super interesting yeah it's, it's, I find it hard to explain but well, oftentimes it seems to be Artists are trying to answer some kind of question through their work, so maybe maybe that's kind of what's being unpacked is that there's some core question around identity and, and that sense of taboo and that sense of kind of the unknown that 
is slowly manifesting itself through the work? Do you think that there's, there is some kind of yeah. central question that's yeah. being explored? Everyone, I think everyone has a ruler and everything can be measured, but there's always, uh, maybe it's uh, built in us humans that, uh, you know, a mistake is not a mistake. Um, and, you know, that comes out in my work. I roll off into that region and suddenly the mistake becomes the reason why it's so interesting. Mm. So uh, to head towards that way, you kind of have to let go of the old old way and just flow with that fault. And, yeah, just draw. I would just, I would just draw from wherever it's coming from. Mm-hmm. If the hairs on my back stand up, that's where I need to be. Right. Yeah. So it's quite improvisational in a way. Yeah, I get mocked a lot by, you know, <laughs> friends and family, you know, like I'm the guy that always makes things up. Yeah. <laughs> but I ask them, man, I'll just like, I'll take that, you know, and I'll run with that. And, um, yeah, it's it's that that sense of mischief that I go with. Um, yeah, that's put me in the position where I am now. And, you know, my friends and family look at me and they still think that I'm doing a job that's not normal. Like, like it's not a something to be, you know, raved about, like oh, a nine-to-five job. Right, right, yeah. But my, to me, my, you know, we talked before, my, my, my job is 24-7. If, I'm, if my hands aren't moving, if my head is just like, fizzing. So I wake up in the morning and it's still going. Mm-hmm. So thinking about that like nine to five job thing, do you have a typical kind of work schedule where you're in the studio? Um, aside from obviously your head fizzing all the time and, and having these ideas. Yeah, so there, there is like a sense of trying to contain um, you know, uh, positive <laughs> uh, activity towards building a career and um, but there's always that mischief thing that sort of leads me off to places that's uncharted and that's you can't see the bottom dollar over there mm. yeah but I know what I've done in the past that um, I can make money doing a certain type of um, art which the bank Balance says that's where you need to be, but I don't know. I'm always getting that. So, with my, I've worked out with my commissioned work. If I did a nine to five type, um, I have to like departmentalize my day, my mm-hmm. week, to get to from commission to commission. Yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, that that it's that mischievous uh, pattern that goes that way, always happens it's a it's a funny thing with artists is that and i think it's something that other people don't necessarily understand in terms of businesses you know within any other business model of course you would just do the stuff that you know that sells yeah. and brings in the money like that that makes sense you know like if you're a hardware store and people are wanting to buy screws then you'd stock screws you know but um i think you can't well for you know creative people you can't ignore those big 
possibilities, those big nagging questions of like, what if? What yeah. if I did it like this? What if? What would that be like? Or and and yeah. as you say, that kind of if that makes you a little bit uncomfortable, then that's part of it. Yeah, uh, that's the pl- you're in the right place. It's not just a byproduct, but often it's an indicator of like, yeah, that's where I need to be. There's an amazing quote I can't remember it verbatim, but it's a Bowie quote, and he says, "Walk out into the water until your until your toes are just touching the sand, and then." take one more step and that's where you need to be as a creative person and I think that's just such a great image for well pretty apt for today when we're talking about surfboards but (laughs) (laughs) but also for you know that kind of pull that you're talking about of like what is what is it like if I just go slightly out of my depth you know I don't quite know what I'm doing in this space yeah Mm. Um, it's a proud moment when you do step into the deep and you find you know your ideal success there um, nobody else is there and that's a you know and it's happened heaps of times in my life and yeah pretty grateful to have um, I guess not to talk myself up but you know have the, the courage and the nuts mm. to go against the grain yeah mm. and just jump in right. oh, I'm sure you know and I'm looking at all my other artists and they're doing the same thing that yeah testing the water mm. Mm. do you find that sometimes you know working in an area which is contemporary art but has its roots in some of in tradition you know there are elements mm. of carving and there's um, it's definitely toy Māori um, do, does that sometimes does that sit well with everyone else or does sometimes people kind of get a bit confused by that or challenge you and what you're up to? All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. I, I get, you know, subtle challenges from family members. Well, my mum gives it to me straight up the guts, but, uh, you know, uncles, other uncles who are artists have um, questioned my um, work. And he, he asked me one day, uh, what type of artist are you, Aaron? Yeah, you are either a carver or a scratcher. I know my uncle; he's a carver, so I'm nothing like him. So I must be a scratcher. So, yeah, I'll be taking that to the grave with me. Mm. Happy to. And I'm, you know, on top of that, I'm not just a scratcher. I could carve if I want, but there's definitely lots of professional uncles who can do that already. Yeah, and I, I guess you know that's. It's important for any artist just to own their space, you know, because mm. who, for any artist doing anything, there's always going to be people saying, oh, what are you doing that for? Or what does that mean? Or what, you know, how does that fit with my set ideas about how stuff's meant to be? Um, and, you know, I think that can be pretty challenging for artists, particularly if we're already, you know, so often we are kind of, already questioning our own work for ourselves as part of our creative process, you know, like, is that any good? Is that what I should be doing? Is that the right direction? So then sometimes having those other voices, you're like, whoa. But, you know, to, to, I really like that story that you're talking about because you're just saying, well, I'm just owning the space that I'm in, you know, this is what I do. Yeah. And ever since I made that decision, you know, it's like, if, when, you're, when I'm in that position again, it's over and over, like every day, like, electrician comes in and to wire up my 
gallery and um, he's asking me, oh, shouldn't you be doing it like this? Or should, is it, oh. <laughs> right. Thanks for your advice. Well, the chippy comes in, oh, wouldn't it be better if you made it look more like that? <laughs> Just build the, build the room, mate. Build the studio. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't follow him around asking, questioning everything he was doing? Well, yeah, is, is that 90, 90 degrees? Or? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get it uh, all the time. And, uh, you know, it's the medium that I'm using, surfboards, uh, it's been 20 years now of paid art career, I guess, mm. 20 years. Yeah. And um, uh, friends still come up to me and ask me if it's a, it's a, it's a job. It's gonna be, I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> it's like, and, the, and actually the fact that you're, because you're a full-time artist, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the fact that you're doing that in Aotearoa New Zealand is actually, you know, that says a lot, which possibly those other people don't realise is that it's not an easy game to, to be a full-time artist. Oh, you know. it's, it's terrible and it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard, and then it's easy. But yeah, like you say though, you know, you own that space. Stay grounded, and and my beliefs, you know, it's then it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, not that I know a whole lot about the surfing and surf culture, but it seems to me that your kind of attitude towards your creative process and and your that embracing mistakes and kind of leaning into the kind of unexpected seems to resonate a lot with the idea of kind of surfing and 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 the kind of I guess philosophy philosophy terrible way of saying that philosophy of surfing and and the culture behind that. I wonder is there like how is your work embraced by surf culture? Obviously, you're using the the board mm-hmm. as your medium. How are you kind of are you connected with surf culture in a way of getting that material and and what are their feelings around your work? So, without any any surf community involved, that um, that surfboard, you know, that presented to me a window where I could see through, you know, from my surfing life, I, I could see through to my cultural life and yeah the medium became the window that I could look through by doing my art eh? so I was um, the surf community let's say, they're not really my cli- clients yeah. um, they're just another bunch of people like me who you know embracing the environment and there's just something about uh, the emotion the the ocean um, gives us, and for me, in the, uh, 20 years ago, it was more adrenaline, you know, like almost suicidal um, survival instincts, you know, to surf these giants, um, Indonesia, you know, Hawaii, New Zealand. Or that feeling that nobody um, witnesses uh, themselves, because they're all land-based humans, and then here's us just floating around in, you know, shark bait alley, um, 
there's, there's, there's emotions that are attached there that you can't get over here in, in the, in the, on land base. So that, that community out there is like pretty tight and we've all shared these amazing experiences, you know, life-threatening. It sort of really pulls people together. Um, and uh, switching that from how surfing um, and art that I do are similar. Um, it's that slight of foot, you know, could um, risk, you, you're risking your life, but you just like angle your foot just a little bit, or you slide, you slip, make a mistake, um, and then you end up getting the best ride of your life. Like, and all your friends see it, you know, and then you, there's this bond that's happening. Now, how do you tell that story to your mum or, <laughs> or who's out home cooking scones? Um, so, yeah, that, that type of feeling, yeah, I'll try and translate that, you know, using that, that medium, my window, to share with people like my family. So you, you have those sorts of thoughts when you're in the studio as well. It's like you can see the the parallel between those those the, those worlds of surfing and yeah making in the studio. Yeah, because you, if you're in extreme in the extreme stuff that we did back in the day is like you know it's tons and tons and tons of ocean just piling over you, mm. and you're breathing inside it. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, just those experiences there, how do you pass that on? Mm. You can't, something I can't really um, not share with anybody else. Yeah. But in the studio, yeah, I drain that back. I, I remember those emotions, like throwing myself over those huge waves and hearing your friends applauding you, you know, and and then you applauding your friend and just remembering remembering those bonds made switching, just holding on, you know, bottling that vibe while you're working the whole mm. time. So is that, is that like a feeling that you take with you, or is that literally like um, translating, like, this is, my studio is a place where I take these risks and I trust that it's going to be okay, and that the, you know, go, like launching onto that yeah. monster wave might be the same as starting a new artwork where you feel yeah. like you've got Stepping. no idea where it's going to go. Or, yes. It's a stepping off the yeah. edge. I love that. That's awesome. That's what it's all about. And, and you don't know if the next wave's going to be smaller, next wave's going to be bigger. It's uh, just, you yeah, get what you get mm. and roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's a, that's a really kind of fascinating way of, of looking at the creative process. We're going to take a short break and listen to Frisk Me Down by local band Catch a Fire. Then we'll be back with more Creatively Wired.
them up all out every string In the area go So for you, is surfing still a part of your like daily routine? No. It used to be. It was my life. Yeah. But uh, I've, I've had a uh, hip surgery, so, so I just do it for fun with my son. Yep. And yeah, I just drag my son around the ocean and my daughter, my missus. <laughs> but um, yeah, not like how we used to. I've um been paddling a canoe, outrigger canoe, hey. open ocean, 30k racing and um, lots of endurance work and it's like I guess 30 kilometres is, is easy compared to the life that we lead here, you know, that, that's where my, it's pretty much my, my dominant sport now. But I've I've brought my surfing um, experience with the outrigger open ocean uh, paddling, yeah, I've brought it to that. So I can read water, read patterns, read the wind, mm-hmm. uh, currents. I can see currents, but all that was be well, I call it like surfers' eyes. Me and my brothers. Okay, so yeah. And I've I've brought that. It's like a droning effect. It's like you, and it just like keeps turning my head over, over and over. And yeah, I come out uh, energized after three hours. It's weird, right? And and that's what I bring back to that calmness. I bring back from paddling canoe. I bring that back to the studio. Correct. In mind, my surfing life is there as well. Yeah. So it's like a mindfulness meditation almost. It is very meditation, lots of meditating. Because mm. you're just out there on your own, right? And then yep. in the moment of what's happening. Yeah, and it's a, a new, fresh outlook um, on the ocean as well. Mm. We're um, surfing, we're no more than 2Ks off the coast, or no more than 1K, unless it's like enormous, but. Um, open ocean canoe, yeah, we go way out and you see much bigger things, mm. you know, bigger animals. And so that's 30 kilometres out or like 15 kilometres out and 15 kilometres yeah, back? Yeah, yeah. Right, but still 15 kilometres, that's quite a way. Yeah, I wouldn't want to <laughs> break down out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those those things, it's new, new visions, you see more new things. Um, the clarity of the water, the changes of the colours. And so then that manifests itself in your work on the surfboards. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Different aspect. Instead of looking at your landscape or seascape down, you get under the water and look up. And and that's your skyscape, I suppose. And those are the angles I work from up there. Mm-hmm. Like a big drone up on, looking down on stuff, and underneath. So when you're when you're out there on your on your canoe, or on your surfboard, are you are you looking around going, oh, I could put, I could carve that into a surfboard, or oh, maybe I could use that, or is that more just, you're just in that moment doing that thing, and then later on it sort of comes to you. And yeah, it's uh, memories. 
yeah. fond memories. It's just like, wow, that's a beautiful moment. Mm. And that sticks, for some reason, sticks in my head. And when a, an easterly hits a four-foot wave at Indies, and there's wind coming out of the wave, and it, and it crisscrosses, yeah, and it causes all these patterns on the meanest wave, but the sun's dropping behind it in, mm. in the west. That's, that's beautiful. And that, that's been a topic of lots of my uh, weaved work, trying to capture that same sunset. And it's like a, I'm carving water, you know, carving, surfing, carving cutbacks, hitting lips. It's the same, I'm, but I, I'm weaving, weaving the carve. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a crazy thought, but... Mm. Very cool. I feel like I need to rethink my own creative process. I'm feeling like that's you've, you've got it sussed. <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah, I think we just. I'm just pretty grateful of all the memories and experiences I've had. That I don't want to let it go unused. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And do you ever do you ever get stuck in the studio where you're like, oh, I just. It's just not happening. Um, that might be when you might pick up a surfboard, or do you, or do you push through, push through in the studio until it starts happening. So now surfing's for fun. Yeah. And uh, but uh, I like the like I say the calming effect that um, Wakama, uh, outrigger canoe, long distance that calming effect it has on me. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the. What I do, it's easier for me. Well, I almost go like days without a shower till I finish the piece, because I feel like the uh, uh, the scent of the work is in the the state that I'm in. If I go for a shower, I'm going to wash that. Wow. Wash that. Um, I don't know what it is. Mm. Going to go back into the studio clean. I'm blank. That's the fresh start. Yeah. When, you, when you're clean, that's the fresh work, fresh start. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, sh a shower, a long paddle, just to blow out. But um, it's mainly towards the end of the works. Mm. Yeah, that's when I stopped, like, like the last week. <laughs> last, <laughs> oh, last three days. Let's say three days. You've got a very, <laughs> you've got a very understanding family. <laughs> yeah. So... But it's it's like yeah, I don't want to wash that skin off that mm. I've built while I'm building art. Yeah, I can I can see the logic in it. It's, it's super interesting, and you know that I think often with around creative process, people create rituals to to yeah. to bond them with the thing that they're making. Yeah, you know, like whether that's something you do at the beginning and end of making a piece, or in your case, during the piece itself. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's. Um, Hundreds of decisions that artists have to make at certain parts of the process, and when I get to the back end, that's the most crucial time. Mm. So, and once I feel like I've, I'm in the vibe, yeah, turn the shower off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like three days. <laughs> I, I I heard a week. <laughs> and so, in that process, 
are you solely focused on one piece at a time, or do you have kind of multiple pieces in different stages of development? So, yeah, I've dabbled with all of those types, those patterns, and um, I've tried to do three at once and roll on, because uh, they all have their different process. But um, I notice I suddenly get stuck on one, and I just sit on it, sit on it, sit on it, and I forgot about the other two. So... This past year, yeah, I've just sat on one. Yeah, just right. just to start to finish. And but, typically, how long does it take from start to finish? So I started a, a five, four, like five foot, four inch uh, surfboard from strip. I stripped the glass last two weeks ago. Right. Yeah, um, two weeks ago. And I think I finished it last night. Right. So it's quite fresh. How do you know when it's finished? That's another problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I usually ask for some women really know when um, enough is enough. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've drawn in mother-in-law. My mum my, my actually tells me just... You keep going, she'll probably finish it herself, but I don't ask her anymore. <laughs> but um, my, my wife and mother-in-law, they're, they're very keen eyes. And, yeah, I've had some beautiful work that I've carved and, and painted, and I've painted it too far. Yeah, and it's gone past the, yeah, dollar, where, you know, where you could probably make a good sale here. <laughs> I always get there. Yeah. And it's usually ladies. Yeah, they're, the, they're the ones that sort of, um, if I'm really stuck for going too far or not, they're the ones that make the decision. Mm. So there's a painting process as well as the carving process. Yep. This is the, so how many steps are involved? So uh, heaps. They strip to prepare it, just to prepare the blank, the second hand one. Um, so there's that process. Like, I've got it down to half a day or less. Um, then there's the design. But, I've, you know, I've, theoretically I've already been out paddling. I've already saw what I had to see. Yeah, that's another process that happened, I don't know when, weeks before, years before. And then I design, and then I'm freestyling there. Pencil on phone, designing, and I'm thinking about the paint process. This is way down the other end. Doesn't look good. And I'm, I'm sketching, and then I start carving. And then I'm carving, and I'm thinking about the paint process. And I'm, I'm sketching as well during the um, sketching. Uh, throughout the carve process, I'm also sketching and thinking about the paint process. Mm. And then I get, I think I've finished the carving. Yeah, and then I move into the first layers of paint. Yeah, and that's when I just start, it just blends over here to the uh, paint process. Um, yeah, and usually white is the last colour. Right, so it's built up in layers. Yeah, so I start from dark background and I build out build my build my paint out of black 
Mm. Yeah. Well, it's like the ocean, right? It's dark. And the depth of it, yeah. it comes up and you get the white yeah. breaking waves on top. Well, yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that, but, <laughs> but that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. It starts in black and then I move towards white. Mm. And there's this, the colour spectrum could be blue for water, but there's blues and greens and then there's the timber, shades of timbers. That's the easiest way to explain that one. Mm. So there's, there's two different uh, distinct um, areas to go towards. Uh, clay brown or blue greens. Mm. But then there's the mis mischief angle, which is the contemporary, and that's like silver and red. Right. That, that goes off into a different clientele. <laughs> <laughs> and so that colour palette is reasonably consistent across the work, or is it, it kind yeah. of evolved over time as well? Day one, yeah. Mm. Right. Day one it was just black and red and white, and that's it. Yeah. And are you the, you're the guy that everyone brings their boards to, and they're like, oh, what do I do with this old board? Oh, I'll take it around to Aaron's place. Yeah, from again, from day one, <laughs> uh, everyone knew I was living at Money Bay, and uh, I just had this rickety old fence, and ev everyone just knew I was doing broken surfboards. And they just flinged it over the fence. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Art supplies over the fence, I like it. Yeah, they just <laughs> drop off broken boards. Or I just, uh, pre-Australia, yeah, I was just hitting the dumpsters and, yeah, and just friends, just new. Mm. My little circle, we broke boards all the time, under big surf or small surf. Is there any point where a board can be broken so much that it's not useful for your work? Um, for the, yeah, for the vision that I, I, w I would like, yeah. If it's more than three pieces, yeah, yeah. you're done, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help you. But uh, normal breaks are just single snaps, yeah, yeah. through the middle. So I've got nose and tail. I've done like, yeah, diptychs. I guess. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, so you you still present them as two separate pieces yeah. rather than kind of Snap rejoining boards. them, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. So I've done that and, and actually sold a, a quiver of three boards, snapped them half, all of them, all at the same place. Yeah, my Corfi trilogy. <laughs> so yeah, very cool. So th thinking in a, in a um, really bigger kind of conceptual sense, what, what role do you think the artist plays in their community or in society in general? Um, well, I hope they're, we're the rebels, you know, we're the, um, dare I say it, revolutionaries, the... Um, yeah, the guy, the people who think outside the square, you know, for the the betterment of people. Yeah, and just um, daring uh, people to dream more and be comfortable with um, being different. And 
you know, we all, I, I totally believe, you know, kids are like born with it, mm. but at some stage they've learnt not to follow that. But, yeah, I think our artists have a, an amazing place in society. Well, we've been there for years, haven't we? Mm. Back in the ages. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I went to an artist talk once and someone said, oh, when did you... When did you start making art? That's what they asked the artist. And he said, when did you stop? <laughs> it's this funny thing that, as you say, kids are natural artists. They don't even think about it. They just get stuck in. And yeah. at some point, they get all critical and they stop and they decide that it's not a thing you need to do or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. It is a natural kind of way of being for a lot of people. Yeah. I like, think artists were built here to like remind people to do, you know, go back to that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To play and explore and yeah. take some risks. Yeah. yeah. I, I can see with your work as well, it does all those things. It also must make people think about waste a bit as well, you know, like, um, here's this thing that I would otherwise chuck in the landfill, and, oh, but wait, it has, now has immense value. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not just... And, I, and, I, and I, I hope anyway that other people would start thinking about other objects like that. It's like, well, if I'm chucking that away, what about these other things that I chuck away? Yeah. Maybe there's some inspiration there. I, I, I do see a resurgence of, um, you know, recycled uh, material as a, a medium for artists to explore with. Back in Raglan, you know, everybody's pretty up in arms about, uh, you know, quite environmentally conscious um, you know, organic foods, um, yeah, responsible um, energy sources, and that place is just, you know, it's a gutter filled with uh, creative thoughts out there. So it, it was very, back in the day, I don't think, of, I remember when I was younger, Ngāruai here, I was on the train tracks and watching all the all the trucks just piling in and just, filling up the Ngārawai here dump by the BP station there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was... Uh, I'd never wish for that to happen again out at Raglan. They filled that one in in, in the time that I was um, ex experimenting with the surfboards. Uh, now we have um, the Extreme Waste program out there, and mm -hmm. that's working just fine. Everybody's, you know, very well conscious of... However, you know, they're still the stubborn person who wants to shoot back to the old ways of I, I pay for people to pick my rubbish up and then walk away. Yeah, that's not how it should be rolling. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, when you start to think about these, these sort of environmental challenges, I think there's definitely a parallel there in terms of, you know, as I think artists are trained to think at things from different angles. That's what they're doing all the time, you know, making your work and you you don't just follow one route, you're like, oh what if this or what if that or you know, and you, you're looking from all different mm. perspectives and I think that's a powerful tool for dealing with other problems like you know, yeah. environmental problems and things like that. Um, yeah, I really love that kind of parallel of yeah. how creative thinking can be useful in other areas as well. Yeah, solution-minded. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're coming up to the end of, of the time here. Um, just wondering, is there anything that you, any piece of advice that when you were starting out as an artist that you wish someone had said to you or something that you've been kind of pondering recently that ha has provided a kind of um, guiding light for your work, either historically or into the future? Good question. Because <laughs> uh, I'd love to say, um, you know, I was uh, encouraged and nurtured towards a, um, a creative lifestyle in the arts. And, um, but I think it was because of all the um, downtrodden um, comments from people that, you know, the usuals. Uh, art never makes money. Get a real job. Uh, you're just hippie louts, you know. All these, you know, that's just getting started about around even warranting thinking about being an artist. Um, I'd love to say, you know, I, I was encouraged to be one, but I have a feeling um, because I was, you know, unkindly encouraged not to do art, that's probably why I did art. So, you know, thinking back, being, thinking, show gratitude towards the people that didn't want me to do this. Mm. Because that's where I am now. They activated the, the rebel in you that went, ah. Yeah, we'll wow. Do it anyway. I, yeah. That's awesome. And just before we um, sign off today, um, any things coming up that you want to plug? or Yes. Yeah. Um, so King's College in Otahu have a art sale in October. Um, I'll be presenting like three works there, and one of which I finished last night. And they will be using that in their promotion stuff soon. And um, I'll give everybody a heads up. Uh, have an exhibition, joint exhibition at um, Hastings City Gallery. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah, with the people down there, uh, with a group of surfers. Mm -hmm. And we're all banding together. Um, end of the year, 2021. I think that's about it. And people can check you out online? Yeah, yeah. Have, have a look at the stuff we're talking about? Where, where would they go to see your work? Uh, so my wifey's hooked me up with a um, website. and Just Google Aaron Kiriopa and it'll all come up. So Facebook, Facebook there, I think, and Instagram, Aaron Kiriopa. Awesome. Cool. Bring it. Thanks so much, Aaron. It's been super no. interesting. You're really welcome. Good. it all. Yeah. Thanks, heaps. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM 89.0 and is brought to you by Creative Waikato. Have a great day. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.